right, everybody. Welcome to the latest Red Reporter podcast. I'm Eric Roseberry. Uh, tonight, joined by uh, Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well and making his podcast debut this season. Uh, Derek Grimes in Indianapolis. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Happy to be your stand-in BK this week. Yeah, BK is off uh, gallivanting around Ireland. Yeah, he's in he's in Ireland at the moment. I guess they did England for a couple days beforehand. Cut a cut a game at Anfield and cut a Liverpool uh, win, I think, when he was there. Um, and uh, yeah, they're 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 surfing around the north coast of Ireland at this point. I'm thoroughly jealous. Yeah, I think we're all jealous seeing the pictures and. Uh, we're also jealous that he has missed the Reds losing seven out of eight games. So, uh, general thoughts on how that's gone. Man, uh, so yeah, the game of what, uh, 20, 29 runs in three games against Milwaukee? And that means they are now officially one in uh, the rest, one six against Milwaukee so far. And uh, obviously, the Brewers are this year being pretty much in a similar spot as the Reds. Rebuild Central guys. Um, it was from this uh, sudden emergency from Eric Payne. I didn't think there was a whole lot there that suggested they were that much better than the Reds at this point, but it appears to look like they were head and shoulders above uh, uh, where the Reds were <laughs> when they played each other the last two weeks, which was uh, thoroughly discouraging considering that you, know, you never want to go into a series in St. Louis given the last decade of history. Uh, uh, with between the Reds and Cardinals, fresh off losing seven out of eight, but that's where they are. Go for it, Derek. Yeah, um, uh, no, it's it was a bit disappointing, or it has been a bit disappointing to me to see how the Reds have fared against Milwaukee, considering they should be, at least in theory, or on theory and on paper, around the same kind of stage of their rebuild as the Reds are. Actually, the Reds probably should be ahead of them as far as that goes. And then to go and have, you know, two two series right off the bat against Milwaukee and just get bludgeoned, it's just – it's disheartening a little bit. Um, I, and I, the Reds will be okay. Um, you know, we didn't expect the hot start to last, I think, the entire season. I mean, maybe you did, maybe – <laughs> I'm as optimistic as they come, but that was, you know, that would have been a, that would have been even more optimistic than I was. But then just to get it handed to him against the Brewers for, you know, six out of seven games is just, I don't know, it's disheartening, it's disappointing, but you know, they'll pick it back up. To be fair, the Reds don't have Eric Thames, <laughs> and he's apparently the greatest baseball player ever born now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I look up at the, where the Reds are right now, and basically they've got two-thirds of their team uh, in pretty good shape. The bullpen has been asked to pitch more innings so far this year than any other bullpen in baseball. Um, but, and I worried about it today, it hasn't just been the quantity of what they've done that's been good. Like, the quality they provided has been excellent. Um, they're the fraction of a strikeout per inning away from leading all of Major League Baseball in strikeouts per nine innings. Um, they've, they are the best bullpen in baseball, uh, hand over fist, inducing ground balls. And so for, for a bullpen that's been tasked with, with uh, 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 picking up the scraps, um, and given where they were this time last year, the bullpen's been excellent. Uh, the Reds' offense—they've hit 31 home runs, which is 
uh, top five in baseball. I think it's actually tied for second in baseball. Uh, they've got a top 10 OPS in all of baseball. Uh, they've scored, I think, the fifth or sixth most runs in all of baseball. Um, three through seven has been rock solid awesome uh, in terms of production from the lineup on, from the regulars. Uh, it just comes down to starting pitchers, and that's the one part that hasn't just not worked out. It's been awful so far. And I, 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 you feel like if ever there was anything that you would hope to be able to sort out and or depend upon, it would be starting pitching. And the fact that that's the one piece of where the Reds are, especially over this you know particular slump of late, that's the one that worries me the most. And I mean, like uh, you know, Zach uh, Buchanan from the Inquirer wrote about it this morning. Um, the cavalry isn't coming. Uh, uh, there's not like that one, uh, you know. For instance, this time last year when the pitching staff was struggling so much, you could point and say, "Hey, we've got Cody Reed in Triple A. We've got Robert Stevenson in Triple A. Sal Romano is kicking ass in Double A. We've got you know, you name it. We've got all these prospects." Um, now they're all up, and especially with the news that Sal Romano is now on the DL and in uh, Louisville with shoulder inflammation, there's not somebody else you can turn to even mentally and say, hey, well, when this guy gets up there, everything's going to be good. Uh, we're waiting on two guys coming off elbow injuries, and Anthony Scafani and, and Homer Bailey, and Brandon Finnegan coming off a shoulder injury. And those are pretty much the only quote-unquote reinforcements they have, which means – They've just got to sort it out, and that's the one scary part to me for all of this because you can't even uh, you can't even lean on a third party looking forward in all this. It's kind of what what you see is what you get, and I'm interested to see how that plays out over this next month. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I actually I actually brought up the the bats roster um, before we started this just to check it out, and you know we've already seen a fairly uh, you know, a common shuttle between for bullpen guys. So, you know, you know, Barrett Aston has been up 14 times. It seems like already, but looking through the list, you know, there's a lot of bullpen help. I mean, they can work with an 11 or 12 man bullpen if they want, but there's not anybody that you would point to and say, yeah, they could turn to that guy to come in and, and, you know, start a game and pitch five or six innings. I mean, and I just found out, and I look at somebody like Rob Wooten, like, yeah, like you probably could if you needed to, but he's on the seven day DL. So, you know, John Moscott is on the 60 day DL, doesn't have any you know, elbow ligaments left. And then who knows what's going on with Sal Romano now. So I don't, Jackson Stevens, is, you know, he's in his first couple of starts at AAA. It's not like you can do that. There's just not anybody there unless you wanted to stretch them out and say, hey, give it a shot. But, that doesn't seem like it would work any better than what we're doing now anyway. So we'll see a lot of these guys. Um, I, I'm thinking of, you know, we've already seen Barrett Aston and uh, Lisa Vauto Bonilla, which I think I just overpronounced it like Tom Brenneman, but we'll see. You know, we, we've seen those guys, and, you know, I think chances are we'll probably see Austin Bryce in the bullpen eventually. Alejandro Shazin, Lewis Coleman, Lucas Litke, those guys will probably see before the season's over, but not as a starting a member of the starting rotation. And there's just not a lot of guys unless they skip. I mean, do you put Tyler Molly in August do you, or even September? Do you put him in the starting rotation? I, I, I don't see it, but there's just not those guys there in the Louisville rotation anymore. It's, it is what it is. 
Well, and I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. So, yeah, in some ways it's exciting the rebuild's done, but now I think there's this realization like, yeah, it's done. The trades are done. Like, outside of this draft pick this year, there's not a huge piece coming in. Uh, do you think this could lead to Michael Lorenzen getting another shot in the rotation? I mean, that's that's the, the, the one wild card in all of this. And, you know, I feel like Lorenzen – he never had a, a grand chance to, to completely fail as a starter before ending up in the bullpen. Uh, his was more a matter of timing and circumstance when he came back. Um, fighting the forearm injury that he had early last year and then a bout of mono. I, I almost wonder if it's the mono that sent him to the bullpen last year more so than the, the arm injury that he had. Considering in 2015, he was in the starting rotation. Uh, and so much has been compared about where Anthony Scafani's arm injury in terms of his elbow, forearm, whatever it is, is similar to what Lorenzen did last year. Uh, if it was the mono, which is the stamina issue, which initially sent him back there, maybe that is where they turn from all this. Because aside from that, you look up and it's it's what? It's, it's Luis Castillo. Um, who is in Double A, and they picked up in the Dan Straley deal. Who has pitched quite well, but again, he's in Double A for the same reason that you, know, you saw Ariel Hernandez brought up and pitched great, but he got sent back down A because he had to pitch in the third innings, kind of on the spot, and wasn't going to be available for the next day. And B, he's only thrown eight innings above A ball ever. Um, so you know when you're when you when you're getting to the point where those are the guys that you're talking to or talking about trying to come up and not just be the future but try to emph- you know uh, uh, emphatically take the 27 rotation towards the finish line. That's a tall task. That's that's a lot to ask. And I feel like with Lorenzen, maybe he's the guy you turn to and lean on, um, unless there's something that they knew more about. Uh, uh, from last year than we really heard. You know, with Rysel Iglesias, I feel like the management and uh, the the guys in the dugout, like Brian Price and whatnot, talk specifically about how they were worried about him holding up as a starter. You haven't heard that with Lorenzen, but still, you haven't heard a whole lot of suggestion that he might move back into that more extended role. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of the option that you can turn to at this point. Uh, whether or not that's a positive or not, I don't know. I mean, Again, you look up at what Lorenzen did in 2015 when he was in the starting rotation. It wasn't great. And we've talked, you know, at least kicked around on the blog off and on uh, about turning towards just using a lot of guys in, in two to three inning stints uh, to get you through the rest of the season since there's so many, you know, starters slash former starters slash hopefully future starters that are in the bullpen. But the fact is, guys like Robert Stevenson and Cody Reedian were kind of the uh, those swing guys that you hope can go back to the rotation. While they've had some success in the bullpen, obviously reading more than Stevenson, every time you ask them to pitch innings one through three, something happens. There's something with them. So those three innings aren't the same as innings five, six, and seven for them coming out of the bullpen. So um, I, I don't know where Brian Price goes with this, actually. I, I, I don't envy his position trying to deal with uh, the starting rotation um, in – such disrepair. Uh, but the fact is like there, there's no, no name out there that we're not seeing that's going to come in and save the day. It's just going to have to be a continued shuffle uh, until they can sort it out. Who else, I mean, as far as to Eric's point about, you know, the rebuild basically being over. So, I mean, what's, so, you know, take that to its logic, like its conclusion, 
who's left to the, for the Reds to trade? Um, Zach Cozart, obviously. I mean, that's number one. But that's not going to bring you likely. I mean, I guess if he keeps hitting like he's hitting and walking like he's hitting, like that's not going to bring back a guy that you're going to be super excited about for this year or maybe even next year. Not that this year really matters anyway, but you know what I mean. And 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 other than you know lucking into somebody like Jesse Winker coming up and just tearing the cover off the ball, which makes Adam Duvall or Scott Shebler expendable at that point. But then again, they're not exactly tearing the cover off the ball, so that's not going to bring back some, something that I, I don't know. There's just there's there's not a lot. The cupboards are bare at this point as far as what you can look to to send out to bring in reinforcements. We are at, we are at an end um, as far as bringing back legitimate talent that's going to help in the foreseeable future. If the idea for the front office was 2018, you know, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson – Amir Garrett, who's done very well, you know, last start notwithstanding. Rookie Davis, you know, they're going to have to step up at some point in time. Some of them I think will. I am beginning to get a little worried, a little more worried than I have been about Robert Stevenson. But I don't know. I mean, where are you guys at with Robert Stevenson at this point? I was not as worried after last year, you know, being it was his first first go round in the big leagues, but it just doesn't seem to be getting there. And he'll, he's only 24 years old. I get that. But even out of the, I mean, Cody Reed has success out of the bullpen. You know, he might get shelled when he starts, but he's having success out of the bullpen. Robert Stevenson is really struggling. How yeah, I guess on, on a, on a, on a one to 10 scale. I mean, where are we at with Robert Stevenson as far as how worried we are? I think at this point, if he makes the roster, I fully expect him to be in the bullpen. Uh, maybe it's a little early to give up on him as a starter, but uh, I, as of now, I'm not sure I see that in the cards for him in the future. So maybe a solid bullpen piece, which might not be a bad thing. Yeah, with Stevenson to look up at a guy who uh, has a curveball that when it's right, is uh, it falls off the table. Uh, a fastball that when he is feeling right and in the groove and, and stretched out fully can still hit 97, even if it doesn't hit 99 like it used to. Um, for me, when a guy has those two pitches and is still struggling as much as he is, it's something mechanical. And I, when you watch him pitch, he crouches more in his in his wind up than any pitcher I really remember the Reds having in recent years. And I'm sure there's probably a big league comp somewhere that I just don't recognize because I haven't watched it as much. But when I see that, it's almost like he's trying to stand up when he throws as opposed to trying to bear down when he throws, if that makes sense. And I, I, I just wonder if there's some mechanical motion way uh, to tweak his delivery, to tweak the way he sets up, whether it's on a different side of the mound, whether it's pitching from the stretch, whether it's uh, slowing his motion down the way that Johnny Cueto did when he added the wiggle. Um, I don't know, but I, with his arm, the arm is sound and the arm is talented. And when I see that, uh, I, I I have a hard time just bailing on him at the moment. But 
The fact is, something about the way he throws the ball has got to change because it's not fooling people and it's not maximizing what the rest of his uh, natural talent can provide, which is an arm that can throw the ball that fast and make a ball break that much. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it takes. I mean, he's been through the system. He's been in the system for what six years now. Uh, he's seen every pitching coach and roving instructor, and had Brian Price in the system working with him since the day he was drafted. Back to the pitching coach. I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's got to be something that gets tweaked there. Um, because what he, the way he's delivering it, I, I don't think um, – how to describe this? Uh, I don't think the way he's pitching right now is a testament to what his true talent is. And I feel like he's, he's almost got uh, – he's almost wasting it by not being able to kind of refine it the way that, 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 that everybody hopes he will. Um, but I feel like that's not one of those things. It's just a tweak at this point. I feel like it's got to be a full scale change uh, of the way he goes about delivering pitches over the plate because uh, his controls been off, not just this year, but the last three years um, on every step. And he can't get by just on hoping that it's uh, guys who are going to swing at stuff that doesn't hit the zone. Um, he's reached the point of having to hit his spots. Uh, and that's what he can't do at this point. And I, I don't know. I don't think he's a give up at this point uh, by any means. He's not a Nick Howard, uh, rest his soul. Uh, but he is somebody who I think needs a full revamp. And maybe it's time to send him back to AAA and just kind of just go, go over everything else from the start again. Sounds like we need to make an impromptu call to friend of the podcast, yeah, Chris yes. Welsh, see what's going on. He loves all- those impromptu calls, right? Yeah. He's not busy tonight. <laughs> oh. But I mean, I, I, do, I do remember like who was uh-huh. it? Was, um, it was Edison Volquez, right? The year, the year before he came to the Reds in the Josh Hamilton trade, went from being a uh, top prospect on the fringe of the majors, sent all the way back to A ball, in part because of off the field issues, but also in part because of his wildness and the fact that he couldn't repeat a delivery that was worth a damn. And he went back down there and made a lot of mechanical changes. And suddenly was good again because his arm could always throw 98 with a lot of movement. He just couldn't do it two times out of three. Um, so I didn't, you know, I, I'm not suggesting sending him back to Daytona and see what the hell happens, but still you got to think there's a way to, to take an arm that's that talented and get more out of it than what the Reds are getting right now. Absolutely. And, and, and while we're talking about this just for a second, I, I do want to, and I'm sure he, I'm sure he's listening because the Red Reporter podcast is, you know, nationally syndicated and all. But uh, Wandy Peralta has been absolutely, and we're talking about ten innings, and I realize that, but he's been absolutely fantastic out of the bullpen and what he's been asked to do this year. And I, and I think we'd be, you know, we'd be doing him a disservice if in talking about like, oh, who's going to come up and who's going to step up. Like he's not going to be a, a starter probably, but he could definitely take Blake Wood's position as a high leverage bullpen guy. And even Michael Lorenzen, if Lorenzen comes up to, and, and, and they want him to start. So I think, you know, I just wanted to just mention that Peralta has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's looked great. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Lorenzen again. I've been thinking about him a lot. So April, first four appearances, doesn't give up any runs. April 10th, great outing. But then he has these quotes. And you probably heard the quotes. I work like the best. I have the stuff like the best. Why wouldn't I think what I'm doing is best? 
And then he was also quoted as saying, I don't try to not give up any runs. I know I'm not going to give up any runs. And since that quote, through the magic of baseball reference, he has an 11.37 ERA and 6.1 innings, and teams are hitting 367 off of him. So we got to fix that. Yeah, my first, uh, my first reaction to that is, A, I, I love the hell out of his confidence. Um, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that a guy in his position has to have, especially if, um, you know, uh, to, to kind of circle back a little bit, the Reds asked him to be a reliever. They, they've pigeonholed him into being a reliever since last year. When you're a starter, you know you're going to give up runs. That's just how it goes. Your job is less about not giving up runs as much as it is about trying to get through two-thirds of the game uh, with your team in a position to win. You've got to manage stuff. When you're told you're supposed to be a lockdown reliever, your goal is, and your mentality has got to be, I can't give up a run. So I, I appreciate his uh, uh, his assertion there, um, especially with the fact that he can throw 100 miles an hour and has a you know uh, a slider that's, that's sick when it's on. Um, but the second reaction I have is, he hadn't faced the Cubs yet. He'd pitched against the Phillies and a Pirates team that looks like it's a disaster already, and a Cardinals team that was struggling to get through out of you know get out of its own way coming out of spring training. Um, he faced the Cubs. He came in in a driving rainstorm with a five-two lead in the first game of the, of the Cubs Red Series in Great American, with Rysel Iglesias not available, um, and served up a meatball that. Anthony Rizzo hit for a three-run home run that turned what could have been winning two out of three in that Cubs series into an initial loss and ended up having to struggle to get a win out of the series on Sunday. Um, Lorenzen's good. Like, he's he's a really, really good reliever who could be more than that with an arm that's special. Um, I don't fault him one bit for saying that and being that assertive because I think that's kind of how you have to be when you're – where he is, which is a guy who hasn't even earned a multi-year contract yet, is still pre-arb eligible and had a forearm issue that probably scared the hell out of him this time last year. Um, but the fact is, yeah, he's still got to prove more than what he's proven so far to to come out and basically claim uh, a Mariano Rivera uh, 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 incarnate at this point. Yeah, it's been tough for him since – those quotes and and the, that was after the Pittsburgh game, I believe the three yeah. innings pitched um, when Finnegan came out and but yeah and since then of course you know it didn't help that the next the next time he went out there I mean after after pitching for three innings he was off for several games but he comes back out against Milwaukee and I'm just looking at the line and he pitched one inning in that game in the seventh it looks like <clears throat> and he gave up foreign runs and i imagine they were all eric names so <laughs> i don't know that for sure but you know i probably probably that's probably what happened um and otherwise you know that in that chicago game where he blew the save blew the game i guess with two outs in the ninth inning um you know otherwise it's been okay and i know we're talking about a very, very small sample size. So taking out three innings out of that 6.1 inning. I mean, that's, we're taking out half the sample there, but I don't, I don't know. I think he'll be in. And I I agree with Wick. I I don't know that I would expect him to say anything else other than, yes, I am 
I'm the best and I'm going to be the best for a guy in his position. But I think it's been really unfortunate how it's how it's broken down for him since then, um, definitely. But I don't know. I have faith in him, whether it be I, – I wouldn't mind seeing him. And like I said, with Peralta being as well, you know, pitching as well as he's pitched, I wouldn't mind seeing them give him another shot if they think that his arm can handle it. More so than Iglesias, just because they've tried Iglesias in the rotation several times and it never seems to work out with his shoulder or his elbow or whatever the ailment tends to be. And Iglesias is on record saying that he kind of likes being the quote-unquote closer or lightning guy or whatever it is. So, And Lorenzen saying, yeah, I'm going to be back in the starting rotation. It's not a matter of, you know, if, but when. So <clears throat> that's the right attitude to have, too. Um, and these guys are ultra competitive. I can't imagine competing on this level and not thinking that way, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, we, we've talked so much about the pitching I feel like we need to give props to something. Uh, Wick, you mentioned this before we started recording. Cincinnati currently has three players with seven home runs apiece, Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler, Joey Votto. And other than Milwaukee, who have an Eric Thames excuse, uh, have the second most home runs in the National League. How are you guys yeah, feeling about so the offense right now? The American League leader in home runs, I think it's tied by several people, uh, is seven. And the Reds have three of those. So obviously the Reds are not in the American League. But again, seven home runs through 22 games extrapolated over a season. That's, you're pushing a 50 home run pace from the guys who hit pretty routinely third, fourth, and sixth in the Reds' current lineup. Um, and those three haven't even been the Reds' best hitters so far this year. Um, Eugenio Suarez has been uh, – uh, He's been the breakout candidate that most of us hoped we'd see this year and more. Um, obviously, he's done it with the glove, too, but with the bat, he's been fantastic. And then there's Zach Cozart, who uh, I think until his second at bat during uh, – what is it? It's Thursday during Wednesday afternoon's game. Until his third at bat of the game, he was leading the majors in batting average and was 12th in walks and had missed uh, – or at least set it out – two, if not three games – because of a sore wrist, if not other ailments, or just daily rest. So guys who are hitting third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh in this lineup have been awesome. They really have been awesome, and that's the reason why the Reds are tied for second in home runs. Uh, they're top six in baseball and runs scored. They're top ten in OPS. Um, they th- Their offense has been good. It's been good. I mean, that that that's ultimately as much as you can really ask for from any team, much less a team that's... Uh, as in flux as the Reds are, uh, the caveat being that Billy Hamilton and Jose Peraza at the top of the order uh, haven't really given much of anything uh, with the bat. They've been valuable once they've gotten to first base on those few occasions that they have. Um, you know, both I think have at least six stolen bases at this point. Um, so they've they've been able to provide value once they got there. Uh, but aside from that. Uh, whether or not Brian Price chooses to shake up the batting order going forward, it does seem like he's got a core that is heating up and looks the part of being a big league, uh, uh, you know, not just a big league caliber, but upper echelon caliber offense throughout the middle of the order. And we're saying this with Joey Votto with a bad under 200 and an OBP of just 330 right now. 
Um, so, you, you know, that's going to continue to go up as well. Uh, I, I think this Reds offense has a chance if everybody stays healthy and they continue to kind of evolve the way that they have been. Um, or if Scooter Jeanette continues to just show up and hit home runs and drive in runs freakishly off the bench, uh, the offense can be really good this year. And that's something I think that Reds fans can get excited about, uh, regardless of where the starting pitching situation is. Um, considering so many of the moves and all the pieces they brought in, uh, you don't look up, at, you know, aside from Zach Cozart, there's not a part of this offense right now that looks like it's not going to be part of the next two to three years. And that's something to kind of rally around and be excited about it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and all that with mm-hmm. Devin Mitsurako's <laughs> back this weekend, so we can get into both of these things now. If he's anything close to what he was last time he was full time, uh, they really could have something here on offense. Yeah, I, I I am excited to see Devin Mazzarocco back in a Reds uniform. Um, that being said, I'm not expecting a whole lot other than just being happy that he is, you know, wearing a Reds jersey and out there again because it's been so long since we've seen it. Um, and even the last time, you know, we did see it, it wasn't any good, and it wasn't even it wasn't even in his normal capacity i guess when we were watching in 2015 basically when he was taking when he was basically the glorified dh and they wouldn't put him on on the dl because they had like american league games coming up or whatever you know this he's back and by all accounts he's healthy they wouldn't be putting him out there if he wasn't healthy so when he comes back and he you know it might not be friday i don't know that he'll be starting the game at catcher tomorrow but sometime this weekend we'll probably see him start at catcher and and that's exciting, and we know what he can do if he's right. Um, it's been a long time since he's done it. Um, but then I, I'm looking, and I'm looking at Tucker Barnhart's line, and for some reason, it always seems like when I'm watching Tucker Barnhart that he is hitting better than he is. But he's got a 61 OPS plus right now. Um, and I have a hard time believing that if Devin Mesoraco is right and is actually back, that at the end of the year he won't have something better than a 61 OPS plus. It might not be the, 2000, the 2014 Mesoraco that was an all-star and got MVP votes, but I think he'll do better than a 61 OPS plus. He'll do better than a 300 slugging percentage, I would think. Um, and then, you know, Stewart... Turner um, has actually been a little bit better, obviously, in less time. But I'm excited to see Devin Mesoraco back with the caveat being that I have basically no expectations for him. Yeah, when it comes to Mesoraco, I, I, you know, you mentioned his 40 plus day stint on the roster while not actually being healthy enough to play. And he's going to be probably at least shoehorned initially into that kind of role uh, as he kind of makes his first foray back into big league play. Um, They're going to hold on to Stuart Turner for my guess is at least two weeks because that's going to be enough or it's going to take at least that amount of time for Mesoraco to start, not play the next day, get a pinch hit appearance, start again, not play, get a pinch hit appearance um, to at least give the Reds visual evidence of what it is that he can do. And, you know, it's 
it's hard for him to have regular enough playing time to prove what it is he can and can't do while the Reds also have to legitimately, you know, uh, 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 hedge for the future is if Mesoraco comes back and can't squat, can't catch back-to-back days, uh, uh, isn't the hitter that he once was. You're talking about it going into the 2018 season that, you know, COO Phil Castellini is on record of saying that's when we expect to be good again. And if your catching options at that point are still Stuart Turner, Devin Mesoraco and Tucker Barnhart, and Mazzarocco doesn't show you anything, and Tucker's got a 61 OPS plus, then you you got to make moves at that point because that means the catching position is not in a very good state. And so I, I think the Reds, I wrote about it a little bit today, um, and we're still struggling trying to define exactly everything I was talking about, in large part because it's hard to define what to expect out of Devin Mazzarocco after, you know, hell, he signed a four-year, $28 billion extension after the 2014 season. That's over halfway done. And he's hit no home runs, hit 158, and has three RBIs in the entire uh, playing time he's put forward on that at the big league level. So with the Reds, they've got to give him a chance to show them what he's got while not trying to hold him up to the contract they signed him to in the first place, if that makes sense. And uh, I don't know how you do that without giving him regular playing time. But then again, you also don't want to risk further injury. So it's, uh, man, I, I, I've not envied Brian Price for much of his tenure as, as manager because he's been tasked with a lot of stuff that has been really hard to sort out. Uh, but the catching situation with these three guys in, I, that's, that's one I don't know how he's going to pull off. And uh, I, I'm interested as all hell to find out how it sorts itself out. Yeah, I will say this about Tucker, at least for early in the season. He, uh, just from times I've watched, started to notice like he was doing a great job uh, not letting balls get past him, whether that was wild pitches, whether that was blocking balls in the dirt. Uh, I know catcher defense is hard to quantify, but by DRS, he's having easily the best defensive season of his career. It's early. And uh, Zach Buchanan's already written about uh, how successful he's been this season throwing runners out. So uh, while he hasn't been offensively what you'd like him to be, um, it's hard not to admit that defensively yeah, he's, he he's provided some significant value for Cincinnati. As, as more importance is put on that particular part of the catcher position that was something he wanted to focus on as well and obviously that's something that takes a lot of time and the numbers there are still difficult but the fact that he noticed that that's something that he wasn't graded well on last year and something that he wanted to improve on uh, it makes me think that that's something he's actively trying to do well as well and given how good he is at the rest of the aspect of you know being kind of the captain of the pitching staff uh, something tells me that's something he's going to scale out well on or at least improved upon from last year too. And yeah, with Tucker, uh, I mean, he was what he was, a was an eighth or 10th round draft pick when they, when they picked him up. Um, he's not somebody who you would look up initially and say, Hey, this guy's catcher of the future material. He wasn't, um, you know, six, five, like Tyler Stevenson and, and imposing. And he wasn't, um, uh, he didn't bring to the table enough to be drafted eighth overall, like Devin Mesoraco. But what Tucker has been able to provide for the Reds through Mesoraco's injuries and 
the fact that he's got three years at least of team control going forward, um, he really has turned out to be uh, one of those great draft pick finds that I think the Reds should, well, as far as I'm concerned, they should hang their hat on what they found in him um, because he truly has proven to be, at worst, uh, a catcher who deserves to play half the time. Um, and and that's what they've got uh, as a luxury, fortunately, while Meserock has been coming back. Yeah, I think Tucker – I mean, I'll be the – I'm a big Tucker fan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you guys know that from the stuff that I've written on the blog. Um yeah, that's right. And, you know, and, you know, I don't I don't have <laughs> I don't have any thoughts that I want to share about Brownsburg in general. But um, <clears throat> I went to a bar there uh, actually less than a year ago and <laughs> you can still smoke in it, which I thought was weird. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was weird. But um, no, I, I like Tucker a lot. And I think he's definitely valuable. And I think it would be it'd be one thing, I guess. And I need to look this up um, for sure. But it would be one thing, or in 2018, say the Reds were good again. Um, it would be one thing if he was the Ryan Hannigan, you know, who was never, he never, you know, was breaking the scoreboard with home runs or, or anything like that. Uh, he got on base at a good clip um, and, and, handled the pitching staff very well, a young pitching staff at that point in 2012. Um, but I, I guess, and, and I guess it would be different if you didn't have Billy Hamilton on the roster who isn't, you know, OBPing less than 300 and you can only hide so many guys, I guess is what I'm trying to say on offense. Um, I think Tucker, I, I won't, He's been fantastic defensively. He seems to be handling the pitching staff well this season and last season. Um, you know, you know, he can only do so much, obviously, but he is composed. Um, he does a lot of things very well. So I don't want to. I don't want to make it out to be like I'm down on him by any stretch. Uh, like I say, I always, I always think that he's playing better maybe than the numbers would show, which is probably a good thing. Um, for him, but it's just like if you want, if the Reds are going to contend in 2018, I just don't see a way forward with Tucker Barnhart as your starting catcher, unless you know Jose Peraza and Billy Hamilton and Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler and Jesse Winker, some combination of those can come in and and do something at the plate to where you know Tucker batting eighth would be okay. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. And well, before we we wrap up, one other thing we wanted to bring up again, which you mentioned this, uh, it has uh, been a rough go of, of it for the Reds uh, over the last week, week and a half, lost seven out of eight. Uh, and as you brought to our attention, uh, somewhat sadly, uh, May looks like it could be a rough go for the Reds. It starts off pretty smooth. Pittsburgh doesn't look great. San Francisco bumgarners out. They're eight and fifteen. I didn't realize that until I just looked at it. Uh, but then after that, you've got the Yankees. Uh, I'm really excited about seeing Aaron Judge at Great American Ballpark. You got the Cubs. You got the Rockies who are in first. You got the Indians. You got the Phillies who are uh, on their way up. Toronto's a little down, but if they figure it out, uh, it definitely looks like May. Could yeah, be a, they'll be entering May off of a, a three-game series in St. Louis, which obviously the, you know the Reds over the last decade have been awful, awful in St. Louis, despite the fact that they won the initial series there. 
uh, you know, first week of the season, which if anything might, given the, the demons that are in charge of St. Louis baseball, might mean we're set up to get serious retribution if they go back there this weekend. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a brutal, brutal May. And the fact that they're going into it with Brandon Finnegan on the DL, Di Scafani and Homer Bailey, not back on the front end of their projections, which is unfortunate. Triple uh, A help and Sal Romano hitting the DL today. Um, basically it's, it's one of those things where you look up and say, Hey, what they have on the roster right now is what they're going to have to roll into this, not a murderer's row per se, uh, but a really dang tough stretch. And, you know, it, it's nice to look up and, and, and be able to prognosticate and say, hey, these guys haven't gotten it done, but these guys are waiting in the wings are going to come up and help them. There's not a lot of help there. Pretty much what we're going to hope for is that, well, Tim Edelman can continue to be a competent starting pitcher, which he has done for most of his big league appearances, despite the fact that his peripherals and his minor league history suggest otherwise, that Bronson Arroyo and Scott Feldman can hold up at a combined, what, 75 years old? Um, that, uh, who knows what else? Um, that, that, that guys like Robert Stevenson can pick up innings and not walk three guys every time they go out on the mound. And the, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's less about being able to project what this Reds team is and hoping that the guys that are young, and it's one of the youngest, if not the youngest roster in all of baseball, can turn the corner soon enough to make 2017 uh, a productive year. And I think if any month is going to kind of define that, I think May is that month because they are playing a lot of high-profile teams, some of which have gotten off to slow starts. But still, you talk about uh, 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 Cardinals, Pirates, Giants, Yankees, Giants, first-place Rockies that are surging right now. Uh you know, a Blue Jays team that was in the playoffs last year that'll probably have Josh Donaldson back by the time they play each other. Um, they've got a lot to prove. And, and going in, going into St. Louis on losing seven out of eight in a row, mostly to a Milwaukee team they would have hoped to beat, isn't exactly the best uh, uh, launching point to do so. Yeah, I think it's helpful that... <clears throat> yeah, I think it's helpful that... Uh, nine the next or after the St. Louis series, they've got a nine game homestand. So yeah, hopefully they get comfortable with, you know, you know, Pittsburgh is, I don't know if they're as bad as they seem to be the last time that the Reds played them, but, um, they've got them at home. Um, and if San Francisco is still kind of stumbling at, you know, next weekend, uh, they got them at home. Uh, but then you go Yankees, even though that's at home, AL team that you've never seen, you know, good luck. And then you go on the road with San Francisco and then into Wrigley. Um, <laughs> and then, like you said, with uh, the first place Rockies coming in, you know, it's not in the mountains out there in, in Wickland. But uh, I don't know if that makes much of a difference between the short field or the thin air. But um, and then, you know, the American League champions, uh Indians coming in, splitting the uh, home and home as they do for. I'm assuming that's the Ohio Cup portion of the schedule. Um, it's it's rough. Uh, it's a rough schedule. I mean, I don't I don't know if Toronto's going to be any good, but it's still an American League ballpark that they don't play in ever, um, and that that matters. Uh, it's going to be rough. Um, hopefully, 
you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the guys, some of the guys pick it up. Uh, you know, Scott Schebler seems to be on his way up, even though maybe Evan Ball seems to be on his way down. Maybe that evens out by the middle of May, and they're both on one. I can't imagine I those two guys being on the same, you know, Jay Brucey and Hot Streak. I mean, it would be balls flying out of the park everywhere, um, which would be really exciting. And maybe we get that in May, uh, you know, kind of a May Bruce situation. But um, it's going to be a rough month. It's oh, it has the potential to be a rough month. Hopefully, some guys can figure it out. Um, it's fun. It's we're in April with still a rebuilding team, and we're looking ahead, saying like, oh, you know, where are all these games that they can win, and and all of these you know reinforcements that could come up, and these guys need to start playing well. And it's April. I mean, we could do this podcast again in a month and be like, oh, hey. You know, uh, Scott Shebler has hit 10 home runs this month, you know, or Adam Duvall for that matter. Or, oh, hey, you know, Joey Votto is, you know, playing like the MVP Joey Votto again because he's Joey Votto and he's awesome. And, you know, Billy Hamilton has stolen however many bases. You know, there's just a lot of variables that um, that we haven't let play out through the first month of the season. It's fun to talk about you know, what needs to be better, but there's still a lot of season left to go and it's exciting. And them showing that they were, they could had the potential to be a good team through the first, what, three or four series this year. I think it's going to be an exciting year. Indeed. Anything else we need to uh, cover before we wrap up tonight, guys? I feel like we haven't seen the best of Jose Peraza yet. We haven't seen the best of Billy Hamilton yet. There's a lot of the guys who have been starting games that you look up and say, we haven't seen the best of yet either. Um, unlike previous years, the Reds have made all of these roster moves and debuted so many guys, but I've made a point a couple times. They haven't had to cut or designate anybody yet. Like these are all where the Reds are in this rebuild is they've got 40 guys and they're using all 40 of them. I think there's only three or four guys who are on the 40 man roster who haven't made a big league debut with the Reds to date. Um, that's a product of where the rebuild is, which is it's a, it's a sorting process, but they've got a lot of really talented guys. And as Derek mentioned, there are, are seven to 10 to 12 guys. You could look up a month from now and say, Hey, May was when it clicked. May was when Jose Peraza hit 350 again. Um, May was when, uh, Billy Hamilton finally got, got things going and stole 20 bases. Uh, you know, May was when Cody Reed moved back to the rotation and finally figured it out. There's, there's a lot to hope for and look forward to that doesn't seem like a, uh, a defined closed book yet. And that's, it's a byproduct of being in the middle of a reboot. You got to hope for some of this stuff. Uh, but the fact is some of it's going to have emerged and, 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 Maybe it's Amir Garrett shrug, you know, shrugging off his most recent terrible start and harkening back to the first three starts he made, all of which were really, really, really damn impressive. And, um, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that you look up in 2019 and you will say, hey, a lot of that might have happened against these really good teams in NBA 2017. And that's what we got we to gotta wait for. So, I will say possibly one of the reasons we're wrapping up right now, when we started this podcast – the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks trailed the Raptors by 18. They just took a two-point lead, and it's been really hard recording with that <laughs> happening in the background. So we we got to get to our TVs. Uh, well, yeah, Masahiro Tanaka is about to throw the first complete game 
by a Yankees pitcher in Fenway since 20 or no, since 2002 when Mike Messina did it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that, but I'm going to flip over to the Bucks game for sure because I want to see the Greek Freak. Wow. What? No NFL draft for you guys? You don't want to see some, yeah. some names being Big called off of a card or a teleprompter or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, big guys in opera suits, you know, there. hugging uh, Roger Goodell, uh, big bear hugs. <laughs> it does sound fun. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening to this latest Red Reporter podcast. I want to encourage you to go to Red Reporter. Uh, check it out. We have got coverage all season long uh, from the Reds' uh, farm system through uh, daily uh, game recaps and previews. Uh, so there's a lot going on over there. Uh, make sure you check it out. Subscribe to this in iTunes, rate and review if you get a yep, chance. Guys. Uh, and we will be back next week with another episode. Talk to you guys later.